Hello and welcome back to After Whistle Sports. Uh, I'm back here again with Tony and Derek uh, to go over some more NBA basketball. Uh, currently, we're recording this on Thursday night uh, and we're watching the Dallas Mavericks play in Game 5 against the Warriors. Actually, the score right now is 40-32 Warriors, but you guys will probably know the end of this game before we do right now. Um, we've had a really solid few games of basketball mixed in with the the blowouts, but um, <laughs> what do you guys think so far? Just like overarching um, ideas, takes about the playoffs up until this point. Um, I think that specifically this Warriors and Mavericks series, it's closer than a lot of people are making it out to be. Uh, game two, the Mavericks were up a ton and they sort of choked the lead. Um, there have been like various occurrences where the Mavericks have just been up like whole lot and they've just not been able to hold on and so I think that uh, the Mavericks do have a chance not to win the series but to make it interesting um, as we move forward. Uh, I think a lot of people feel similarly but um, it doesn't really feel like the best basketball that we could be playing right now um, by a lot of the teams left in the series. A lot of blowouts, uh, not a lot of clutch time. Uh, I think a lot of the first round games and even some of the second round games particularly like Celtics net series was probably one of the best series I watched this entire thing. It was a uh, first round series and felt like every game was close. But um, uh, I'm hope, hoping that the finals will be better. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of on the same page there. Um, it feels like a lot of these games are scripted the same way. You know, we get the home team goes out to a pretty big lead, and then you get uh, like a late research comeback. We saw it with the, the Celtics a couple nights ago. Um, we saw it, almost the Warriors almost pulled it off to end the series also a couple nights ago. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, What do you guys think is the reason for all these blowouts in what should be competitive series? Uh, I think the, the big factor is obviously uh, great defense, and uh, a lot of these teams are less so superstar teams that are like dependent on having good defense. Or they're not superstar teams, and they are more dependent on having great two-way players and great role players that fit their jobs compared to like having LeBron carry a bunch of bums to the finals as we've seen in the past. Um, but like that, yeah, that's really all for me. That's the main thing. That's yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to have to agree with that. A lot of great defense being played, but I also think that a lot of these teams are very three-point shooting teams like the Mavericks, for example. When you have a bad shooting night, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to compete with a team like the Warriors that can just 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 play great offense and I guess shoot you out of the room and so that's very difficult but I think on the Heat Celtics side um, you know when you play great defense and when the Celtics are hitting their shots and they have just a more flowing offense they're going to be, be they're going to be blowing out the Heat and so uh, that's what makes it very difficult. Yeah, before we go into some like future game um, in these series predictions mm -hmm. I just want to hear some of your takes on maybe like a certain game or like what's going on recently with these series. I mean we can start I mean, we're watching the Mavericks-Warriors here. I feel like that series is going to be over tonight. I think the Warriors are going to close it out, just like I said in the last podcast. But um, what have you seen, at least, I know, like, game one and two were pretty lopsided, but what did you see from the uh, the lone victory that the Warriors, or that the Mavericks have had so far in this series? I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to the Mavericks are starting to attack the basket. Um, they're starting to get into the paint, which makes it a lot diff like a lot more difficult for the Warriors to just sit on the three-point line and make them hit contested shots. Um, when the Mavericks are able to get into the paint, they force the Warriors to actually play them, you know, 
harder defensively, which makes their offense run better, uh, makes them better able to compete. They're also having just more defensive effort, I feel like, which has made the Warriors' shots more difficult. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think the Warriors are definitely making the Mavericks work a little bit more than the Suns. I think the Warriors' offense is a lot more fluid, which requires the Mavs a lot more effort in that sense. Uh, another big thing, I think, is that for both the Mavericks... Wait, sorry, can you repeat the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're just talking about quickly, like, what do you see from the Mavericks? Um, they oh, won the last right, year. right, right, sorry. Compared to the Sun series, Mavericks have been shooting way poor. I think it's much better perimeter defense on uh, minimizing the amount of contested threes available for the Mavericks. The Warriors do a great job in closeouts relative to the uh, Suns, and overall, just it's been a lot more difficult for the Mavs to get the shots that they were getting during the Sun series. Yeah, the thing that's really stood out to me is some of like the crazy shooting splits we've seen from the Mavs this series. Um, guys like Maxi Kleba who and Reggie Bullock who were shooting. I mean, before the series, they were like the t- two of the top like five guys in three point percentage in the playoffs, and they just hadn't been able to get any stops. And I mean, you can attribute that to just like go like regressing to the mean, but when I'm look like when I'm watching these games, I'm seeing a lot of good things the Warriors are doing defensively. Um, they're just like so hard to like get good matchups just because the way they're guarding Luca is like I mean I, I said this in the last podcast, but I said they're gonna probably let Luca try to um basically create everything on his own and like they'll double him and hedge at some points, but a lot of what they're doing is just putting a longer defender like Wiggins on him and just forcing him to hit really tough shots and go off for 40 points in a loss, which has happened, I think, two times already. So, and what that does is it allows the other guys to stick to their mans more often, and Kleba's not a guy who is going to be able to take guys off the dribble or create his own shot. He's literally just going to stand in the corner and hit open threes that Luka creates for him. And so when that's not possible, when Luka can't get to the hoop as easy, um, Kleba's basically shooting just a lot harder shots. And so, of course, he's not going to shoot a great percentage. Talking about guys like Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith, I feel like those are more just like regressing to the mean because they're still getting solid looks. They're just not shooting at the rate that they were in like the Sun series. I mean, I think a lot of it is also uh, psychological. Like when you start missing that many shots, it's just like at that point you're like, you keep on overthinking your shot. And so you're going to keep missing after that. And so I, I saw a couple of times where Cleve in particular, you know, like waited or hesitated before shooting the shot. And so his shot was just off immediately. Uh, which made it difficult for him to make those shots specifically. Yeah, uh, I do want to say I'm pretty sure Dorian Finney-Smith has been shooting like around the same. So, but rel- but definitely there's been a de- uh, decline overall in uh, three point percent, especially in Kleba, Bullock, uh, Bertans in particular, who was supposed to be a big asset that they picked up in the Wizards trade, like huge contract, but it's just not putting he- putting up the same numbers. Another thing I've noticed is that I don't really have a staff for this right now, but in terms of rebounding, in the first two games, I think the Warriors, um, for a team that, like, you, when you think of the Warriors, you don't think of a team who's going to, like, attack the glass very often and get second-chance points, but um, they're so potent on offense that you can't give them second opportunities. And the first two games, I think in the first one, they're out-rebounded by a pretty solid margin. I don't know if you have that with you, Derek, uh, I do have the stats, actually. So the Warriors are out-rebounding the Mavericks 183 to 143 in the series. Yeah, like, that's, um, that's absurd. And offensive rebounds is thirty-five to twenty-four. So they that's are, yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy. And so, I mean, the, like <laughs> to be honest, when you put that into perspective, 
the Mavericks aren't playing that poor, like poorly on the defensive end. They're just, I mean, giving up a lot of second chance opportunities. And like in the NBA these days, like second chance opportunities are basically three pointers because a lot of these teams get the offensive rebounds and they'll kick it out to their shooters. And so, I mean, I, I think I'm not sure what the rebounding numbers for this current game we're watching live are, but Warriors are up by ten. So I assume with that. Uh, the rebounding is either even or in the Warriors' favor, which we've seen in the games that they've won. They've had a really solid rebounding margin. I think another factor relative to like other opponents like the Suns is the Warriors have great slashers. Clay and Wiggins have been doing a great job getting um, great passes by, and also like forcing defenders to uh, stick with them as they like cut through the lanes and either getting great looks or. Um, like freeing up space so someone else can get a great look because their offense is always moving and very dynamic. Definitely. I think that definitely also just like tires out the defense to a point where they just like don't want to fight for that rebound or anything, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it easier for the Warriors to grab the offensive court. So let's say, and again, this is super hypothetical, but let's say the Mavericks end up coming back and winning this game, um, pushing the series to 3-2. What do you need to see from the Mavericks moving forward to make it look like they at least have a chance at, at pushing it to either seven or I don't know. Like in my opinion, I think the Warriors are gonna win this game. This question will have zero impact whatsoever. But I mean, you can even talk about the game going on right now. Like, what do the Mavericks need to do to come back and ultimately win this game on the road? Well, I feel like the answer relies in like two options. The first is either, uh, or I guess there's also an injury thing. But regardless of that, the first is like. The rise of either Jalen Brunson, Dinwiddie, and other stars stepping up. Luca's been doing a great job and having around a triple double and thirty points per game per game per series. But uh, the production by the other players on the team just hasn't been what they need. Or we need a replication of what happened during the Sun series, where a lot of the role players started stepping up and increasing their three point percentage, and actually hitting their shots, even if a particular star doesn't rise up. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with that. I don't think that Luca can do it alone against this Warriors team. There's just uh, too many potent offense that the Warriors or too many potent weapons that the Warriors have on offense, which makes it really difficult. And um, they're guarding him really well, which makes it difficult for him to score. Um, in Game Four, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson they both stepped up, had more than 15 points per game, and Reggie Bullock had to make some threes too. So I think it just has to be a team effort for the Mavericks to win the game. Yeah, I feel like what the Mavericks need to do is they need to win a lot of these second halves. We, like, we saw in. I mean, even in the other series, too, we'll talk about it a little bit, but it feels like teams start off either really, really good or really, really bad, and then they either finish really, really solid or really, really bad. Like, there's no real consistency, I don't think, in any single game in this series from any of the teams. Yeah. And so the Mavericks need to string together four really solid quarters. And like with that being said, they could put together four really solid quarters and still lose the game, just because I think that's how good the Warriors are. But I agree with you guys. Like, Luka needs to basically have some of his weight lifted off and I mean as we just see Luca get stuffed on the drive but um, <laughs> sorry we're, we're watching this there's some crazy rotations going on in this game oh my um, God. Okay. yeah I think someone might be injured for the Warriors is that Draymond is injured? I think Draymond so. might be injured it's yeah, a so, huge defensive and offensive impact so. yeah but Warriors still have the lead here so I would say consistency is the biggest key on both ends of the floor for the Mavericks um Let's talk a little bit more abstract, uh, maybe beyond the series, because Tony actually texted us to us the other day, and what did you say again? You said, would you, you basically related Luca in this series to Harden on the, on the Rockets, uh, where you yeah. put up those crazy numbers. 
I want to hear, I mean, what, what you guys think, because I, I mean, I have a pretty strong opinion about this, because I'm a, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I'm a pretty anti-Harding oh, man in general, but uh, Tony, like, what prompted yeah. you to make that comparison? So, uh, I saw a tweet on NBA Twitter that was comparing um, Luca right now in the Western Conference Finals to prime James Harden 2018 with the Rockets, and I think, like, one of the, the threads is just kind of um, highlighting the shortcomings of like a one-man centric offense and an offense revolving around a singular player like we saw Harden eventually get the help he needed with Chris Paul on that Rockets team and I think people are starting to make that similar comparison that Luka just needs another star around him to uh, actually help him and get him over that hump and beating again the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> yeah I mean I totally agree just like on face that they're very similar players and that they're very like heliocentric they control a lot of like usage and they control a lot of you know the the ball demand basically they're both great scorers they're great playmakers or at least Harden was in his prime it, we, I, we I, can look at Harden's advanced, like playmaking <laughs> stuff I think I mean because mo- most of his like playmaking came off of just like pick and rolls where C- Capello would just like rim run basically mm-hmm. like he wasn't actually like moving an offense okay I like, yeah I will agree that Luca's like a much better passer than Harden ever was. Like Luca like runs vision. an offense. Mm-hmm. What Harden and D'Antonio were doing, like that was an offense. I don't know what that was. That was like. But I, th- I think that they're very similar in, in the way that they can both they could both create instant offense. Like yeah. Luca like step back three like Harden step back three. You know like if Harden had the ball you had to be you know on him and he did average a, a really solid like twenty nine points per game or so in the final. Yeah, I just think like for me the biggest difference between those two is like the intent of the offense and the intent of, like, being a ball-dominant guard. I think when I watch Luka, I see a guy more like LeBron in the playoffs mm-hmm. where he can get his own, he can do whatever he wants on the court, but he's also, like, getting guys involved and basically creating shots that wouldn't otherwise be open for his teammates. Whereas when we saw Harden, and I think one of the reasons why those teams had such problems um, was because he would basically, like, he is the offense. It's not like him creating opportunities for people. It's like either he's going to the free throw line or he's pulling up for, for a three or he's taking it to the hoop with like a pick and roll opportunity there. And like the only real opportunity he created for that team was either pick and roll or like his own iso ball, which I don't know. I, I feel like in modern basketball, like that's going to be stopped most of the time, especially with all like the switches that you can get with big men. Like, and that was even before we've seen guys like Bam and like Looney in the pl- like even guys like Horford or Williams mm-hmm. deep in the playoffs where you would have guys who maybe weren't as mobile who you could switch on Harden and Harden would just mm-hmm. either get draw a foul on a three or he would basically just like get to the free throw line every time. Yeah. Um in which case like I don't think that's a viable option for Luca to do in this series. So like, I don't think you have that many bailout opportunities. And so that's why in my opinion what Luca's doing is a little bit more impressive. Um yeah, I mean that definitely makes a ton of sense. I just think that generally Harden is like one of the most overhated players in NBA history. Just because of his play style, also because okay, of okay, but when is Harden won? Like okay, when is Luca won? Like I don't know. It's it's like the same thing. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, dude. I mean, that, okay, that's a hot. Luca's had much. Okay, Harden's but, had much better teams. Harden was on that. Okay, okay, okay. Harden was on really good teams, dude. Like his supporting cast were like solid. Yeah. Okay, that's true. I think that Luca will have a much better career than Harden, but I'm saying that mm-hmm. they had very similar 
sort of like playstyles, okay. and I feel like the comparison is valid. I, I feel that's doing such a disservice. I feel like to Luke. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I feel like if you, if you told him you compared him to Harden, he would probably be super fast. I mean, Harden also brought the Prime Warriors seven games. Like basically, that's true. That's true. Without Chris Paul, yeah, like, yeah, the seventy-three and nine Warriors. Right? Yeah. I mean, I will admit, like, that was pretty magical from Harden's end. Like, that was, he was shooting, like, an absurd percentage. I think he was putting up, like, 35 shots a game, and he, yeah. he was, like, doing crazy <laughs> stuff. But, um, anyways, we've talked about this series. It looks like, as it stands in the first half right now, the Warriors, if they hold on to this lead, should be advancing to the finals, which we'll talk about that maybe in another podcast, how incredible that is for the team who I, I'm pretty sure finished, like, third like two years ago or like finished third to last two years ago yeah um it's i mean the warriors are insane front office work all around the board but let's talk about the other series real quick um celtics lead three to two they have a chance to close it out tomorrow do you guys think the celtics will win uh game six or do you think the heat have just enough firepower to to turn it to a game seven Yes, absolutely. I think the Celtics will be winning Game 6. I do not see the Heat having a chance at all. Um, I think that the Heat's offense is just way too stagnant. And the Celtics' defense, you know, give them credit. They're very stifling, and it's very difficult for the Heat to score. So I think that Celtics and 6, I'm calling it here right now. I would would also probably agree with Celtics and 6, like, barring, like, massive injuries or other random things, like that Horford... uh, like five hour in advance, like it's like massive illness. The Celtics have had like everyone like questionable at some <laughs> yeah. point. Like yeah. same with the Heat too. Yeah. But um, I do think Celtics and Six Heat are definitely more of a. Or I think they're better as a home team, at least relative to the Celtics. And I also think just the Celtics have just uh, had a better offensive scheme lately. The guards in the Heat have just been performing horribly. Like Lowry. Uh, as of recent, I'm not sure if he ever hit a shot in that last game. Oladipo was terrible, Oladipo was also yeah, really, was really cold. Bad. Max Struess, in particular, said some comments like, uh, I also heard every time the audience went quiet and then didn't hit a shot in the next 17 shots that he took after that quote, after I think it was game four. Um, but, or it might have been game three. But, like, the, the Heat just haven't been doing what they need to be doing. The loss of Tyler Hero... Uh, I'm pretty sure he's still day to day. Not sure if he'll come back. He's not back. I feel I like they have to play him. I think right? it's just. Yeah. I think they're. Yeah, I just think their season's over. But great run by the Heat. Definitely. Yeah, no, it was a nice run. And I mean, I think we all predicted the Celtics to win this series. I think two of us said six. One of us said seven. Maybe I don't know. Um, but like we talked about it in the last podcast, the fact that the Celtics have just more guys they can go on offense. Like the Heat. And, and Jimmy Butler has had, like, a solid series, but he hasn't had, like, a series, like, that's, like, solid enough to basically like, pick up for Oladipo, Lowry, well, and Hero being out, basically. I don't know. I don't I don't agree with the... Like, obviously, Jimmy got injured in Game 3. Yeah. And after that, he's been playing horribly. Um, not horribly, but, like, he's been averaging 10 bad. points yeah, per game, right? It's, it's not good. And so, injury has obviously affected him, but... You know, the Heat just, like, haven't been playing well as a team. They have, like... But part of the reason is, is that they don't have Butler Blake. Yeah, the, the, they They work really well because they're going to be good defensively and they're going to get what they can get in the half court, Blake. And a lot of that depends on Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler. If both of them are injured, like, who do you go to? I Honestly, like, Gabe Vincent? I mean, he actually had a solid... He's one of the guys who actually played pretty pretty well, but 
I saw they they try to do Dunk, they try to run Duncan Robinson, they try to use Struess, and I mean at some point the Celtics kind of figure out what they're trying to do running those guys off screens, and then at that point you're basically done because while Bam is a solid pick and roll threat, like he's not going to space the floor like you need to against that Celtics defense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just looking at the last two games, and Jimmy Butler has shot a combined uh, seven for thirty-two in games. Uh, I mean, that's like five. detrimental almost. Like yeah. at that point, to even play him, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously he has like such gravity on offense, so you have to play him. But um, it's just like difficult to see the Heat go out like this. Went from a forty-one game, forty-one point twenty-nine to eight, six, and thirteen. Yeah. Not a great look. I also think the other thing that's important is that Jimmy Butler's their uh, primary ball handler in the clutch time. Like they have the Celtics have Jalen Brown, who's pretty good in the fourth, and obviously Tatum, and even Horford to some extent has been um, had, had his moments. Uh, but Jimmy seems to be the Heat's main guy to give it to in the fourth, and if he doesn't step up, I don't see how they could close out a close game. Yep. I'll talk a little about the Celtics because. While like the Heat haven't played as well in this series, the Celtics are. I feel like I don't know what to say about them at this point because they're playing good like, in certain moments, but they've also shown that they could lose to basically anyone. Um, they're so inconsistent, and I know part of that's injuries. But like, if you're looking at if you're looking at the Celtics team in this series so far, who do you have stood out as like guys who are just consistently playing at a like conference championship level? Uh, personally, I've really been liking Derek White. I mean, this might be just because of last game, but he, he played really, really well last game. He's good as a facilitator and a scorer, um, and I like how he's been playing. I think that also Al Horford is really just like a centerpiece on the Celtics defense. He, he you know, he locks it down. He also can shoot really well. One, one so. part that's underrated about his game is he's really good as like an outlet guy, mm-hmm. like starting the break, mm-hmm. and he can take the ball up, yeah. which I feel like it doesn't mean too much like for those who like don't watch as much basketball, but like he creates so much yeah, on offense definitely. where like they shouldn't have open shots there just because he can handle the ball yeah. and get up and down the floor. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I agree with you. I saw him run a fast break actually yesterday. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that was Like, that was insane. <laughs> I guess 35 years old and doing that, it's nuts. Yeah, to add on to your thing, uh, Derek White's been doing a great job navigating screens, in particular, um, relative to a lot of other defenders. Like, I know Mikhail Bridges struggled with screens against the Mavs, for example, and he was considered the uh, Times Player of the Year candidate. A player that also stands out to me, uh, I mentioned him earlier, is Jalen Brown. Um, he had the 40-point game before. He's been pretty consistent in clutch time in a lot of these series when Tatum hasn't been performing to his best and has been averaging, I believe, like 25 points per game with like at least four assists and rebounds in addition to some steals because he plays pretty good defense and honestly has a decent shot at conference finals MVP if Tatum um, slacks off. Yeah, well, uh, but the Tatum narrative might overwhelm that. So. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it in a little bit. I just wanted to mention Marcus Smart, too, because oh, yeah. sure. I'm never going to like not mention him because he's so important to this team. And I believe I saw that he leads all players in assists in the, in the conference finals. I think he's like 6.8, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, which 7. is 7.7. 7.7. Yeah. For a guy who like isn't a real point guard, like he's basically just like like a fake two guard who like takes the ball up sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty incredible and we know how he plays defensively, so yeah. To me, like him, Tatum, Brown, 
like you can have a situation or a game where one of those guys or maybe even two of those guys aren't at their best and you can still win a game. And so yeah. to me that's why the Celtics have the lead and I think that's why the Celtics should end up winning tomorrow and moving on to the finals. I think uh, that uh, also Robert Williams is having yeah. like an immense defensive impact. He's averaging Ten points, eight rebounds, and two and a half blocks in twenty-three minutes per game. That's pretty. That crazy. is ridiculous. His per thirty-six numbers must be like absolutely crazy. <laughs> that is ridiculous. And so, I mean, with, with him on the floor, the Celtics become like a really, really good rim-protecting team. So, huge yeah. props to Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk. I mean, you, Tony, you mentioned a little bit when you were talking about Jalen Brown, but we now have conference finals. What is it, MVP? Oh, yeah. It's like the, the, it's the Larry Bird for the East and the Magic Johnson Larry Bird for the, and the West. Magic Johnson. So <laughs> I honestly think these are really stupid. Um, <laughs> I, to me, they make no sense. But I guess if we would, were to pick who we believe should win it uh, from each side, like let's say the Warriors win tonight and let's say the Celtics win uh, tomorrow, mm-hmm. who do you guys have winning the Magic Johnson? Conference. That's gonna be so hard. The Magic Johnson Magic conference the final. West, I think. Yeah, the West and the Larry Bird conference finals MVP in the East. Uh, so I think the Magic Johnson one is, uh, it's pretty pretty straightforward. I think Give it, it to Wiggins. I think Give it to Wiggins. Come on. I mean, Wiggins has been playing really well, but it's it's gotta go to Curry. He's just been on a tear. Absolutely, um, shooting lights out. Forty-seven percent from three in the series. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it has to go to Curry. I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. With Curry. I mean, I, it's gonna be Curry, but like, I want Wiggins to win it. Because you know what? Like, Wiggins has been—he's been so good defensively. Like, he almost single-handedly won the game. Like, it's like the Iguodala Finals MVP. <laughs> like, okay, but like, Iguodala had a much better case to win that, okay, I think, because yeah, Iguodala is putting out crazy points per game numbers the way he like normally doesn't. But mm-hmm. I don't know, dude. Like, Wiggins is—he's just—he's like the missing piece on that team. You know? Yeah. Like we thought, you know, if we go back early in this, like in the regular season, we're like, okay, like they have Curry, they have Thompson coming back, they have Poole, but like who's going to be the one who like makes them a finals team? Yeah. You know? Because they were good, but you have like an aging Steph, you have like an injured Clay, like who's going to take him to the next level? And I think it's been Wiggins so far. I've been, I mean, Wiggins like, and Poole, I think. Both of them. Wiggins and Poole, this guy's incredible. Yeah. I mean, we might be able to talk about it in, in next podcast if we do, like, an off-season thing, but I was saying Wiggins might deserve a max contract, which might be a hot no. take. Uh, <laughs> anyways, in the East, I'll say I think Tatum wins it because of Jason Tatum, but mm-hmm. I'd be fine with, honestly, either Brown or Smart getting it, too. Um, again, like, I feel like these awards always neglect defensive efforts. And so, like, in that case, if you look at the assist numbers, look at the overall impact of the game, I think Marcus Smart is the most valuable player for the for the Celtics. But, yeah, I'm fine with Tatum or Brown. Yeah, I think that uh, it's probably going to go to Tatum for the narrative. I mean, he's been playing, you know, fantastic. But I also think there's a really solid case for Jalen Brown. I mean, he's just, like, he's shooting better. He's making, uh, he's making, like... I don't know, just, like, great plays on offense. Um, but also he's having, like, turnover sh- struggles. And so I think Jason Tatum, with his combined playmaking, he does have an impact on defense. And also his just, like, general offensive facilitating, I think that Tatum's going to take it home. Yeah, though I'm a big fan of Jalen Brown, I, th- I think it's going to go to Tatum, both for the narrative, and I think he's just had, uh, like, slightly uh, more of an impact uh, 
like higher assist stats, higher rebound stats to make up for his uh, slightly worse field goal percentage. And um, I think he's sort of recognizing at points that he's just like a little bit off in some of these games and is doing a good job at uh, like kind of stepping down a little bit and not making up for the uh, making less shots by shooting more, which some players tend to do. Okay, I think we're close to wrapping up here. I just want to hear just real quick prediction for the game tomorrow. Heat Celtics. What do we think? Uh, I think Celtics take it. Um, I think it's a blowout too. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a, what a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the Celtics will take it. I think uh, too many injuries for the Heat. They definitely have the core necessary. Maybe have the potential to make a run if they trade a little bit of their depth for another scoring star. Yeah. I agree. Heat, heat, the Heat are running out of gas at this point. Um, there were questions before the series even started about how their offense can match up with the Celtics, and I believe like the first few games have basically proven our point that the Celtics are too they have too many guys, and the Heat don't. So <laughs> I think that's a great ending point. Again, thanks for listening. We'll probably have another podcast out before the finals start where we we'll go over our predictions. Um, and kind of like maybe what happened if maybe we have some uh, some some craziness in one of these series <laughs> where the Heat end up coming back or the, or the Mavs end up coming back, but I don't really think so. So we're also thinking about maybe doing some NBA draft stuff, um, maybe like in between or after the finals podcasts. Um, like, let us know if, if you guys want to see that. We have a Twitter account. Uh, after Whistle Sports that we've been a little bit more active on. You can also leave a comment on the uh, Spotify podcast or Apple podcast um, like review section. Just let us know if you want to the, hear the NBA draft stuff. And so, again, I can't wait for the finals. Um, I feel like I'm kind of sick of these conference finals already, yeah, which is probably bad. Yeah. But um, thanks for listening, and we'll probably see you all next week.